We're so addicted to the visual stimulus and the noise, we don't know how to be by ourselves with God. It's a problem. And it's extremely important that we break that addiction and learn how to be with God in silence, with no stimulation, no, no podcast, no music, no, uh, no, nothing to read, nothing to look at. Uh, even if it's spiritual, sometimes it's a sign that we are avoiding ourselves uh, in order to keep, keep moving forward so we don't feel our feelings and think our thinkings. I know that's the wrong word. But please do that, guys. Like when I first met Jesus, every night I would sit in my bed. Last thing I did at the end of every day was sit in my bed, close my eyes, rock back and forward, and just say the word Father until I felt his presence. And I would not go to bed until I, I would not go to sleep. I would not lay down until I felt his presence. And he came every time, every time. Some Christians are going to tell you, by the way, later on, that God will pour out his spirit on you when you're a baby Christian, but later he'll send you through the desert and, he'll, and he won't let you feel or hear anything. It's never happened to me. So I don't mean that I'm like, yeah, for every day. I mean, he's been faithful. Okay, uh, Kate. Um, I think after the conference, like God was downloading a lot to me about um, how to move forward with the youth and get, you know, because um, there's an experience like that, I feel like there's like some, there's like a time that now there's some practical things that need to come in. Yeah. You know, like how to tune to God, mm. um, like you were saying, how to like settle down and, you know, and, you know, I know some of that, but like I would like to hear how like maybe everybody does, you know, give some practical mm. Things because like once you have that big experience and you spend all that time with God and you go home, it's like you know you don't have a worship band and a really powerful speaker all the time to you know get you there. I want that's not what I meant, but you know what I meant. I didn't take it that way. Tim doesn't have like don't mind him. Yeah, there's no little there's no little Brian Connolly that you can pull out of your pocket and put on your shoulder. Exactly. Or you're not in our living room preaching to us all. <laughs> I think like practical things that can get us to commune with God by ourselves without right. all of the. I mean, part of being part of so great about that experience is you're with a ton of people and you're seeing a lot of faith in the room. Yeah. Because faith, you know, that's what helps you is faith and seeing what's going on. But when you're home by yourself and when you're home by yourself is usually when you need God the most, you know, because you're stuck in your head. And I just, mm. you know, want to help encourage you to find some practical ways to get there, you know. And that's where the most distractions are. Yeah, our brains, our heads are full of distractions. I remember going through something like that. Feel like you're the only one that's seeking God, and I remember sitting in my room just reading the Bible constantly, constantly over and over. And I did go to church, but then I read the, the New Testament before I did the Old Testament. So it's like God is telling us to get a this and do that and that. Why do I see people now that isn't? So I have to really sit down and have like my alone time, just me and Jesus. I started with Matthew is what I, when I, so I met God out in the mountains. Y'all know a little bit of that story. I'm not going to do it tonight. But then 
I started with Jesus, and I feel like that's really a critical thing, is to start with Jesus, to go deep with Jesus. Read Matthew, read Mark, read Luke, you know, read John. Um, what changes us is love. What changes us is love. What changes us is the encounter with God's love, and that's actually the essence of the whole faith. The whole Bible's a giant love story. That's the secret key that unlocks the whole Bible. It's a giant love story. I, you know, I was like, I think I've told you this many times, like, you know, when I had my big encounter with God, like was through anger and stuff with him and he showed me love and peace. But a lot of things that helped is like learning to tune to him. And I feel like yeah. our brains are like a radio station and we have mm-hmm. to tune to it. And I think when we were in some experience like that, it, we were very helped into tuning. And now that we're at home, you know, I don't think anybody would, who experienced what they experienced this weekend would want to lose that. And like for me, I've had to just remind myself to take that time um, with him, not allow anything to distract me. I've had to pray negative thoughts away because mm-hmm. it feels like once you leave something like that, like it's like almost like negative thoughts come quicker because you know something good happened and sometimes the devil wants to ruin that for you so i just you know was thinking like some practical things for the youth could be like you know learning to to spend time with god you know reading or praying and listening to worship music but just being quiet but also battling their mind of what is going on you know to not forget what happened and don't allow negative things or things in school or life stop them from what just happened. Right. And don't be shocked by the counterattack. Like in the parable of the sower, you all know the story Jesus told, the kingdom of God, like God is like a, like, a, like a man who went out and he was planting seed and he scattered the seed everywhere. And the first thing that happened, you guys remember the first thing that happens? The birds, it's on the path, right? And so as, and, and Jesus interprets that, he says, this person receives the word, but before they can do anything with it, what does it say? Satan comes and steals the word away. And then there's another one, and it's trampled. And Anyway, but this, the first thing that's going to try to happen is everything that happened is fake. You think your life changed, but here are these same old temptations. You know, you said yes to Jesus, but now look how you're so grumpy with your siblings or that person at school. All that... Those are lies, right? Designed to steal the truth that God has named you, he's touched you, he's marked you, and he's put a call on your life. You know, anyone relate to what I'm saying? Yeah. That as soon as, as soon as God sows a, wor- a seed, there's gonna be a counterattack. Or maybe another way to put it is the Lord actually allows, allows the word he has delivered us to be tested. Life will attack what God just said to you. And if you can cling to it and bear fruit in it, you've passed the test. Yeah, yeah. But we should always expect that. We should always expect that if God says a word, almost the opposite of what we thought would happen to fulfill that word is probably gonna be the first stage of what happens next. You know, but you gotta press through. So what I hear you saying is, you think some practical teaching on how to hear God's voice. Oh, we should do that. We could do a mini teaching, not tonight, but very soon on the four keys to hearing God's voice. I, I feel like it would be- Briefly talk about that. Yeah. I think it would be very practical for them because I think that like, 
For me, I Pete, write that down. <laughs> like for that would be really proud of because I think that was like when I first realized that you could it changed our lives, didn't it? It changed our lives. It changed our lives. And you're saying the importance of individual time in the Word and in prayer yeah. is on your heart. Yeah. Pete, do you have other stuff on your heart? I, I, I think I totally agree with everything. You want to talk about your prayer stuff that you were talking about? You wanting? Yeah, uh, I would love it if we would. Like, they would pray for each other and then pray for everyone who didn't go. Yep. And, like, just continually just yep. press in. Yeah, we would definitely want to make our prayer time more yeah. important at youth group. Interactive. Interactive and... So let's do that tonight, too. Yeah, that's what yeah. we want, yeah. Do you remember this? Do you guys remember in First Samuel where Saul, he's just a dude and he's lost donkeys? And one of the things that happens to him is he encounters this group of prophets... Just raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. So he's looking for his donkey. He encounters a group of prophets. And does anybody remember what happens to him when he encounters this? That's cheating, but okay. I told you about this like three weeks ago too. Oh, now who's getting schooled? I told this three weeks ago, guys. Wait, three? It sounded like, I thought it was one of the So what happened? He's, he encounters this group, this, this group of roaming prophets. They're always worshiping the Lord with stringed instruments and cymbals. It's a fascinating story. So this, this group of prophets, whatever that is, we'll just define that later, is wandering around as a group constantly in a state of worship. And Saul gets near them. And when he gets near them, say it one more time. He gets, he gets the NRSV. I really want to look at the Hebrew on this. The NRSV says he is possessed by the spirit of the Lord. That's, a fat, that's one of the only times in the whole Bible that I think that language is ever used. And he strips his clothes off. Sorry, kids. Right? No, I told him about this. Oh, you know. It says he spent the next several days on the ground naked, praying and prophesying. And he was changed into another man. And, and it... And it became a proverb around the nation, is Saul also among the prophets? But I love the detail that it said he was changed into another man. So we know this story, right? I don't recall. I just remember I read through first and second. I'm almost through second Samuel, and I remember coming across it and, and being like, it might be 13. I don't remember. I made a joke that I wasn't going to put a photo of that up on the screen. Nope. No, that doesn't belong in your flannel graph of your, of your, of your Bible school. And also, I would, like, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful that of all the manifestations of the Spirit that have happened in this church, nudity is not one of them. It's just really great. I'm grateful. But when people, but I used to point to that story. I didn't hear that, and I don't want to. I used to point to that story when people would tell me that the things God was doing among us were from the devil. I would point to that story and say, this is in your Bible, guys. In the Old Testament, there were pockets of Holy Spirit power that caused people to behave in ways that were really socially like, what in the world? You know? But here's the deeply troubling thing for me from that story. He doesn't see, Saul doesn't seem to have been a man who was consumed with hunger for the Lord. No, he was just a guy who was in the right place at the right time and he bumped into the Lord. 
And in a moment, he experienced the things of God. I think the Bible gives us that detail to basically say, like, this is how completely out of control he was. Because who would do that, right? Um, Well, if that happens here, I'm going to have the ushers take you to my office and put a blanket on you. For obvious reasons that we'll talk about later. Um, So here's the deal. Saul does not appear to be a guy who had love for for God. He he was not consumed with love for God. He bumped into God, but he didn't actually love God. Now over here is David. And we don't read of one time David having that kind of charismatic encounter. But we read constantly of David inquiring of the Lord. When he doesn't know what to do, what does he do, guys? And David inquired of the Lord. He even wears an ephod, which is priestly garment. We talked about this a few weeks. He wears an ephod, which is priestly garments, and he's constantly seeking God and hears God's voice, giving him detailed instructions. He's not playing, praying generic prayers. God bless what I'm doing. He's asking God what to do and following God's voice. He's obeying God's voice. And David ultimately becomes the one who God says, this is a man after my own heart. I think it's really fascinating in Scripture that later in Romans chapter 8, we find that all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Saul was overwhelmed in a moment by the Spirit of God, but he was not led by the Spirit of God in life. He was not, Saul was not led by that Spirit. He didn't hunger for that Spirit. He didn't walk with that Spirit. He wasn't consumed with the one thing. And I think that's like extremely powerful because I have seen people, and I said this on Sunday, but I have seen people who, who start well and, and I know what happened to them was God. And they wash out on Jesus. And I've seen people who stay the course. And with one little truth that Jesus reveals to them, they give it away, they give it away, they give it away. And they keep seeking Jesus. And, they're, and so... Like when you're coming out of a weekend where some of you have just experienced like major life change and you encounter God, I'm like, I, I feel a little bit like I'm the bad guy saying, all that matters to me is what you do with it next. That's all that matters to me is what you do with it next. Like, are you going to cultivate what God said to you, what God did in you? Are you going to, are you going to daily discipline yourself to live by his voice? Is he your one thing? Do you love him more than yourself? that's a little bit heavy on my heart. I want to encourage you guys with one thing. I was coming home. I spent like four days at a conference that was all about healing and impartation and deliverance. And I wasn't going to go because I was in a good place with God. And I usually sort of space out my conference attendance, you know, every three, four months to keep myself fresh. And I felt like I was in a great place and I didn't need to go. But my wife was like, I want you to go to this conference because uh, Lester Smith, he's buried right over there had cancer, and even though we'd been praying for him and praying for him, he wasn't healed. And my wife said, I want you to go, and I want you to learn how to pray for the sick with results. And if you're not going, then I'm going, and you can stay here and take care of the kids, get them up, get them clothed, fed, uh, take them to school and everything else. And I was like, "Uh, suddenly I'm feeling led to go. (laughs) So I went, and it actually just so happens I had been obsessing over these these saints who, they knew Jesus, they walked with Jesus, and they're, 
they had assurance of salvation, they had forgiveness of sins. They would all reach this like wall where they would stop seeing progress in other people's lives, not just their own, other people's lives. And, and then they would cry out to God and God would give them some dramatic encounter with him. Like, like Charles, have you, who has ever heard of Charles Finney? Yeah. A few nods, yeah. Charles Finney had this experience with God where he said it felt like God was pouring liquid love, like golden liquid love in waves over his body to the point where wave would come and another wave would come and it would get stronger and stronger and stronger of God's love for him to the point where he finally begged God to make it stop. Have you ever had God pour his spirit out on you so heavily that you begged him to make it stop? I haven't. I haven't. He begged God to make it stop because he thought it was going to kill him. How could love kill you? He got up when he was capable and he went back to try to ask somebody what had just happened to him and the person who came into the room fell to uncontrollable laughter. And this was a dignified person who would never act that way. And something happened to then he would walk through a factory and without saying a word, people would take one look at him and say, oh my word, I'm in my sins. I need to repent. I need Jesus. And they would run to him and they'd be like, I need Jesus. And he hadn't said a word. So I just read story after story after story of these wonderful saints. They were saved. They knew God. They were forgiven. I would even say they were born again and filled with the Spirit. But then they, they reached a state in their Christian life where they came up against a wall where they wanted to see God's kingdom come for others more. It wasn't about them. It was about power to bring God's kingdom to others. And they would cry out for more of God to help them. And boom, they'd have some experience. And from that point on, something would shift and change. And so by the time I got to the conference, I had been reading all these testimonies. I, I was so... Have you ever been so hungry for more of God that it's painful? Have you ever been... Okay, it's kind of like how it feels to be 17 and in love. <laughs> 16 and in love. I don't know. Where your love's sick and all day all you think about is being with the, your beloved. You know, like me driving from college to my college to Carrie's college and we'd stay up till 3, 4 in the morning on instant messenger. Oh my word, I'm talking too long. I gotta, I gotta stop this. Okay. By the time I got to that conference, I was, I was in like physical pain. They'd be singing to Jesus and I'd be like, oh my word, I want you so bad. And they were sharing testimonies of people getting healed, people getting completely set free of all sorts of stuff, demonic stuff, emotional stuff. And, they were, and then every time at the end of every session, they would, they would usually invite us forward to receive prayer. And then they had a Q&A time. And oh, I'm, this story's taking way too long. The spirit was on me so heavy during that week that when I would go into the restaurant, I couldn't stop smiling. You know what I mean? I'd sit in the hotel room, so full of the spirit. When I wasn't praying, I was so full of the spirit, there's just like this vibration happening all around me. The weekend was fantastic. I, I, people got healed when I prayed for them. Fun, fun stuff, good stuff, right? A good week. It was a real good week. I learned a lot. When I was on my way home, all of a sudden I had a thought. 
That was like four days of being in heaven on earth is what it felt like. And all of a sudden I had this thought and the thought was, oh no, I'm gonna leave this place and then I'm gonna start to leak out this wonderful peace and this wonderful hope and this wonderful joy and this overwhelming love. It's gonna leak out of me and day by day it'll gradually die down and I'll go back to normal. And right as I was having that thought, the Lord said, stir up, that, stir up the gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. And what I heard him, what I meant, what I think he meant was, you have the ability, Tim, at home, away from the conference, you have the ability to find those things that when you do them, they bring the presence, they stir the fire up, they bring you into union with God. You have that ability. So that Paul could say to Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. What gift? The preaching gift? Sorry, friends, it's the Holy Spirit. You know? And for Timothy, what that means is when he's full of spirit, he will preach. Right. You know? So I like talking. Okay, but I just want to encourage you with that. Like, don't have this thought of, oh my goodness, I'm going to leak it out slowly over time. Well, you could, or you can stir yourself up. You can find people of like faith and you can pray together. You can go after God together instead of going after other things together, you know? All right, I think I'm done. Stan's got something. I was listening to what you guys were saying um, Sunday morning and, uh, um, and it kind of really goes back to what Kate and Tim were talking about is by, about hearing the voice of God because... Um, Sometimes we make it harder than what it, than what it is, um, and um, I find myself sometimes sitting in a room with no music, no nothing. Sometimes, and when that happens, it's like he'll come and he'll start speaking to me about people, and he'll start saying things to me because because guess what? All the stuff, all the distractions are cleared out. There's no distractions. So when there ain't no distraction, he can come and speak to you. And speaking to you is like, like a thought. Sometimes the Lord can give you a thought, and that can be him. And it can be just one word. Sometimes he can give you an impression. You know, um, you can feel something about somebody. Um, you know, uh, you can hear something. You can sometimes even smell things that you normally wouldn't smell. Um, because that's how I've operated in hearing the voice of God because, because when you have a visual problem, other senses pick up. And that's the same thing with the voice of God. Other senses will pick up what he's saying. Sometimes it can be in your ear. Sometimes it can be in your mind. Sometimes it can be something that you see um, can trigger that. Uh, um, and I heard, you know, like... You know, people falling on the floor, and some of you probably didn't understand like what, like what was going on, and that's like his presence, like, like his presence. Sometimes, they would. There are scriptures in the Bible say that the presence of the Lord would come on people so thick that they would fall down like they were, they were dead. And um, and when people were falling down and not being able to move and different things, that's the pres- that's the presence of the Lord. That's how that's how strong his presence can come on people. And, and, you know, um, and that's what he wants you all to continue to experience. And how you start that up is praying, just like Tim was saying, praying for people.
spending time in your word, spending time listening to worship, spending time putting your, yourself around other like-minded believers that believe in what you believe in. And, um, you know, so, so um, I heard that. And then, you know, I heard just different things like, um, you know, the, the coughing spell thing. That was a prophetic thing. That was a word, like a word of knowledge. Like it may have happened to you, but when it happened to somebody else, that's a word of knowledge where, where God has given you knowledge to know that that same thing that happened to me happens to that person and you can know and you can sense what's going on. And, and uh, you know, so, so that's, that's what he's given. And, um, you know, and I just, I just felt like, you know, like there was a hunger and there still is a hunger. Like there's, you know, God wants you guys to continually to seek him because, because, as you seek them, you'll find more things out. You'll find, you'll find out that your senses sometimes line up with the gift that he's given you, you know, and sometimes it can be a gift of love. It can be that you have such like a burden for somebody, like that you're supposed to pray for them. Like, like not just like laying hands on, but actually, you know, just, just praying for them in your room by your, by yourself. And, you know, I, I strongly advise that you cultivate that. Like, taking time out and spending time with the Lord on a daily basis because that's what'll keep the fire burning. That'll keep the thing that you experienced this week, you know, continuing, going forward. As long as you continue to, and don't, and, and don't make a, a, um, a religious thing because God wants us to just come to him and spend time with him. Some people can spend time with him for an hour. Some people can only spend time with him for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and that's one thing, I, you know, that I say to you, if, you know, if it's 20 minutes, if it's a half hour, whatever it is, take that time. Don't let nothing distract you from that time at all whatsoever, you know, because everything will come and try to distract you when you sit down and you try to be quiet before the Lord. You sit down and spend t- time in worship. And, you know, sometimes it's a good idea maybe to put some music on, something light in the background and just... Sometimes yep. just sit there before the Lord. Sometimes you don't have to say a thing. Sometimes, sometimes he just wants us to come sit with him, you know? And as we come and sit with him, he'll speak to us. He'll share things with us. And, you know, um, not only will he share things with us, but he'll come on us. And, um, like, like, with me prophetically, um, so, sometimes, like, when the, when the Spirit is moving and there's worship and everything's going on, sometimes my hands will get like a numbness and like, a, like they become like a baseball glove. And it's like there's, that's an anointing to, 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 to pray for people and to give them prophetic words. So that's why I'm saying the feeling and the senses. So don't, don't rule them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, one other thing was coming to me today and, I, and um, like dreaming, because some, some of you guys dream. Mm-hmm. And some, some things, you know, because the Lord said, I'll give dreams and visions. He said, you know, he said, I'll give dreams to young men and visions to the old, you know. And, and, you know, I believe that God wants to give you dreams about things that either he has you to do or has you to pray for or, you know. And, you know, I believe there are some in this group that they're definitely dreamers. You know, I feel very strongly about that. Um, and sometimes this is how you can tell 
if a dream is from the Lord and if it's not. If you get a dream and, and you see um, Keller, you know, a lot of time with Keller, it's, it's coming from the Lord. And you gotta, sometimes we just have dreams and that's fine, that's okay too. Um, but sometimes you'll know when you have a dream that's from the Lord because immediately you'll get up, either you'll be thinking about that dream, it won't leave you alone. You'll, you know, you'll be pondering it for days and days and, you know, but 90% of the times that, that dreams that come from, from the Lord are mainly in color. And they're sometimes they're to give you a word for somebody or to pray for somebody or to speak to somebody about a certain situation, a certain thing. And then when you have dreams that are dark and slimy, they're from the enemy. They're not, they're not from the Lord. They're, they're coming from Satan to, to attack you. And, uh, you know, and stuff, you know, but, but, you know, those were the main things I wanted to share and just, just, you know, praying and scripture, you know, because, because, because I've seen, I've seen kids of your age, they'll get praying and they'll be seeking the Lord. And sometimes the enemy will come by and he'll try to knock us off and we're not, and we're not grounded in that word as well. It's like he, he'll, he'll, he'll mess us up sometimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, so if we're grounded in both, that gives us two weapons that, that guess what? We can combat the enemy with. Yeah. We can combat them with prayer and we can combat them with scripture. And we can, actually three, we can, we can combat them with the, with, the, with the spirit of the Lord too. So, um, you know, and, and stuff. So, but uh, um, I think that's it. I think I got one other thing I want to share. So, and just intimacy with the Lord, you know, daily every day, you know, just create that time, you know, where you can spend with him and sit with him and share, share things with him, share your heart, be awesome, because guess what, it is not going to scare you, you know, because I used to think that, I think, well, if I share this thought, it's good, like, it's going to chase the Lord away, you know, it's not going to chase him away, he's going to talk to you and he's going to give you answers about, about situations, so, um, so I feel like, you know, y'all are very keen to hearing, mm. seeing, and knowing, you know, and, um, you know, and I, I'll just share this. So Sunday morning, I was, I was standing up over there and, um, actually I'm going to share this because, because I feel like I'm supposed to share this with you guys. So, so for about a month, a month now, I've been feeling this shaking during worship time. Like I literally could feel where I'm standing shaking. And I was like, ah, I don't know what that's about, Lord, but I know it's you. And then I shared with Tim and he kind of shared some scriptures. And I thought it was just going to go away. So about two weeks later, it happens again. And it was increased. And I said, oh, I said, what? I said, the Lord said, I'm moving. I said, okay. So Sunday morning, when you guys were up here praying and you were walking around the room praying, I was standing over there and it was the strongest that I've felt it in the three times that it's happened to me. And literally, I could almost feel like the whole building was shaking. That's how strong it was. And that's the spirit of God. Like, you know, because he says he shakes everything that can be shaken. And, you know, so when you're getting up and giving out what God's given to you, 
you put yourself in a, back in a place so you can refresh and go back out and continue giving that mm-hmm. out. Because that's what the Lord's taught me. What I give you, you give out because I'll continue to mm-hmm. give more. So, so don't think I have to hold on to what he's given to me because I'm not going to get more. Because he'll give you more. So that's all I got here. Can you yep. just elaborate or break it down? Or uh, you said, I don't know how you said it, but you don't want to be religious about, you know, and there's times where we like, well, I'm going to read my, my Bible. And, you know, and, and the other thing in that is it's, it's awesome what we do in relationships and stuff, but what I found coming here, Tim's heart, is that God wants to meet with us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a one-way street at all. Yeah. You know, it's it's about you know that, that he's he's going to be there with us. He's our friend, and uh, but that religious. Can you identify or break that mm. down? What it would be to be religious? Yes, I can. Because sometimes we can get in our Bible and we can be reading it and just going through the motion. We just can read it and say, "Okay, I'm just reading it because I'm I, I, I'm supposed to." Yeah. You know, that's not, that's not how God intended us to read the book. He intended us to read the book to have a relationship. And if we're not having that relationship and that communion and getting out of what God's given to us, then, then it's, it's more we're doing it out of an obligation. I guess, that, I guess that's a better word. Um, instead of, you know, doing it, you know, because the routines are not bad at all. But when we're picking up a book and we're reading it and day in and day out and we're not getting anything out of it, you know, we need to check where our heart is. Because it's really a heart issue of, okay, is my heart really in, in this or is, am I just doing this out of, out of duty and obligation because God says so? Or am I doing it out because I love him enough that I'm going to pick up this book and read it today? Does that, does that make any sense? And, and I think you'll meet with him then. He'll, he'll be there. Yeah. He'll be there. That's good you asked that question. Does any, any, any of y'all have any questions about what I shared about? Is, like anyone from the shop conference had like something like something that he said or something that happened like at the shop conference that you have a question about or something you experienced? Because I know Tim and Stan are... In a, yeah, in a meeting where there's a lot of crazy Pentecostal activity happening, something around 40% of it is actually God. And so Israel said, what do you mean? Do you mean that uh, the rest of it is fake? I said, not at all. Not at all. It might be that uh, what God's doing is creating deep emotion in the person, right? Does that mean that God is making that person uh, scream? uncontrollably for three hours. Well, I wouldn't say that. But it's possible that there's a deep emotional release because God's spirit is touching them and that's how they're responding. They could choose to respond a little differently. That's, not, but that's between them and God. That's really none of my business. I'm not saying, oh, that's fake. Uh, I have seen some things that made me say, okay, that's attention-seeking behavior. And if that were to happen week after week in here, I would probably find a, a loving way to address it, Right? But I'm not saying 60% of it was fake just because I'm saying 40% of it was God. I'm saying some of those people couldn't get up if they wanted, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
there have been times when I was, I was like, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna walk around and I'm gonna pray for people, but my legs stopped working. I wasn't in charge of that, right? But I am in charge of when I decide that I'm gonna pray in tongues over people. That's given under my authority. I am in charge of when I'm gonna hear the Lord, ask him what he's saying, and then partner with him, and then I'm gonna prophesy over you. It's not forced out of me, right? So when I'm saying 40% of it is God, I'm not saying 60% of it is the devil or the flesh. I'm saying it's just a little more complicated. But some people would like to view it as uh, every single thing that's happening in the room couldn't happen any other way. And now we have to defend every single thing that happened in the room. And I'm like, no, we don't. We don't have to defend every single thing that happened in the room. Some people grew up in a church where if you feel God, you're supposed to fall down. And if you don't fall down, you're going to make the preacher feel bad that he wasn't anointed, right? I've even had people, one guy came in here and he pushed somebody down. So I went up to him and I said, hey, uh, you really damaged her faith by pushing her down. I need you to talk with her and I need you to fix this. I need you to clean up your mess. And he goes, oh my word. He goes over to her. He says, sweetheart, I'm really sorry. I got enthusiastic. I didn't mean to shove you to the ground and I'm really sorry. And she forgave him and they moved on and we had a fantastic weekend. But there's been people who fall down because they think they are supposed to. One time I fell down hoping that it would, that it would work. And then I instantly I popped back up because I realized, okay. And Stan and I were just talking about this today. Like, are we both praying tongues? Yeah. But we don't view that as the measurement tool of whether or not we love God or whether we're spiritual. And we don't view that as the measurement tool of whether we're baptized in the spirit. And Stan basically said to me today, or should I let you say it? He basically said falling down and speaking in tongues is overrated compared yeah. oh, to the yeah. love of God. Yeah, because we got in a conversation and the Lord was all over it. So sometimes when, I, when that happens, I forget, I forget what I'm saying. But yeah I, yeah, I did say it was overrated because, because. And we're for it, just so. I, I totally, I'm not against it. More Jesus at, every day. At all, at all. You know, um, that's what that's what I want. I want to see people get as much Jesus they can possibly get. You know, but but like when you have the Spirit and He lands on you in that way, how how applicable is that to people? You know, that's for you and ministers to you. But God wants to give you things to minister to other people. You know, and so you can minister out of out of that. And you know, He wants He wants us. To, to receive his spirit in such a tangible way that it's for us, but it's also for others. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that, that's kind of what I was mm-hmm. getting at. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. At some point, there's like three topics that I want to do really short teachings on. Uh, how to pray for the sick in a way that even if they don't get healed, they still feel really loved. But how to pray for them in a way that it's more likely they will get healed. Does that make sense? Uh, number two, how to prophesy over people without absolutely hurting their heart because you're being judgmental and rude and like it's not really God because that happens a lot, guys. As soon as people are like, I can hear God, then they're like, you're going to have a baby in June and then it doesn't happen and then the, the person is deeply wounded or, or your mom's whatever. Just, there's just stuff we do. I had a guy prophesy over me that I was like a dirty rat and a fox and I was up to no good. Nice. Um, my jaw clenched up instantly. How many of you think that was the Spirit of God? No. Uh, can, I, can I show something? I was asking what happened. Huh? What happened? It broke our relationship is what happened. What did you 
oh, I had somebody prophesy over me that I was a fox up to my old tricks again and that I was not uh, seeking the Lord and that I had brought a curse upon his house or something like that. So It was lots of fun. Yeah. So with the, with the prophetic, that's good that you shared that. Cause, cause, Please be careful with people's hearts when you try to speak in God's name. Yeah, because you should be encouraging. You, you should be exalting. That still hurts my whole body just to talk about that. Like it's that stupid. You should be exalting, encouraging, and comforting people. You know, yes, there's times when we have to bring a word of correction, but you make sure you're hearing the voice of the Lord when you do. No, you don't bring a word of, you don't bring a prophetic word of correction. You bring a pastoral word of correction as a brother. There you go. If you get a prophetic word of correction, you actually back away from it. You turn it into a pastoral word of friendship and you go to them in humility and you say as another struggler who both needs grace, this is what I feel like I see in your life. I love you and I'm here and I'm committed for it, committed to you. You do not deliver a word of correction as a prophetic word. That's manipulation. That's, that's, actually, that's, re- that's actually demonic religion. See, he just told Be careful me. with that stuff. I'm not saying God can't bring a prophetic word of correction. It needs to be very careful and very gentle. And it's okay yeah. to share a prophetic word with someone else to get feedback before you share yes. it. Yes. Like you don't have to just yes. share a prophetic word that moment. doesn't mean you have to share it that yeah. moment. And I say that because I know y'all are, you're actually hearing God now. Y'all are hearing God now. Like, you're hearing God now. And so I'm saying steward that in a way where you, you don't, your words have incredible power. Yeah. Incredible right. power to tear down or to build up. Right. Uh, the third one, a short teaching I want to do sometime is on tongues, the gift of tongues. Yeah. Because like some people are like, tongues is annoying and I want nothing to do with it. And then other people are like, if you ain't got tongues, you ain't, you're just a junior varsity Christian. And I'm like, actually tongues is super useful and I would like to talk about how to go after receiving it, because you can actually ask God for specific gifts of the Spirit. Did you know that you can ask God for things? You can ask God for dreams like Stan was talking about. In here, I was teaching a class, and the guy said, ask God for dreams tonight. Put a notepad, well, this was before cell phones, I guess. Put a notepad beside your bed and say, God, can I please have a dream tonight where you speak to me? And I was kind of skeptical. Oh, my word, I had one. Like like 20 people had one the very same night. I'm like, God's really in a talkative mood. But yes. I've experienced the dreams too. I asked God for tongues in the bathtub and it, it was crazy. I'm just telling you guys, and it happened. It's very much the same as right, a naked uh, spirituality. Uh, I was by myself. It was quiet. I shut myself in an RV camper and said, I ain't leaving until you give me this thing. I didn't think it was going to happen. It didn't anyway. It's crazy. Uh, but that's not a model. That's not in your Bible, by the way. RV campers are not necessary. The tub is. I'm oh just kidding. <laughs> I was reading about David deciding that it would be a good idea in the time when kings go out to war to stay behind and then lust after Bathsheba, commit adultery with her, try to cover it up. Then when it doesn't work because Uriah has integrity, get him into the front lines of battle so that he's killed and he can pretend that it was somehow, you know, natural to the situation. And he got away with it, right? He would have gotten, everything worked according to his little sneaky scheming plan. Oh crap, she's pregnant. We can still hide it. We can fix this. We can cover this up. Ah, uh, Americaners know that the president's not a crook. That kind of a situation. You know, one of them, right? Watergate kind of. But worse than Watergate. Um, and then the, that chapter ends by saying, but the thing that David did displeased the Lord, which is like the most important thing you can ever read. Yeah. Right? It honestly doesn't matter what else happens in our lives. If we please the Lord, we win. And if we displease the Lord, nothing else we achieve matters. 
So that, Pat, that one verse, the thing David did displeased the Lord, it's like, that's a haunting verse. It really reminds me of Cain. And so he settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It's like haunting. East of Eden, man. Ugh, it's haunting. So I was reading that today. I was reading about Nathan. I just told them, be, if you have a word of correction, translate it down into a pastoral word. Don't just bring it as a prophetic word, thus saith the Lord. But God does give words of correction. I'm just saying, if you're, for these brand new youngsters, I don't want them accidentally cutting each other to pieces in God's name. Does that make sense? But there is a time when God brings a word of correction. So Nathan gets a prophetic word about what David has done. And he goes to him and he doesn't say, you dirty jerk. You, are, you, you, you should be deposed from your king, kingship and you should be executed. That's not what he says. He tells him a story about a rich man who owns plenty of herds and flocks, who steals a poor man's lamb that is more like a pet. He sleeps with this lamb. He loves this lamb. This is like, you know what I mean? This is like a dog. And he takes the poor man's lamb and slaughters it and feeds his guests. And David says, this, it's a made up story, right? He says, that man deserves to die. But then his next sentence is, he needs to repay. So he's not actually gonna have the guy killed, the theoretical guy. He says he deserves to die. But what he needs to do is he needs to repay like five times or whatever. And Nathan says, you're the man. And then we go, and then David goes into true repentance and so then, so I read all that, and then I went over to Psalm 51, which is David's prayer of repentance. And he's like, create in me a clean heart. Have mercy on me. Renew a right spirit in me. Like, forgive me. Blot out my transgression. And he has this crazy verse. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight so that you're proved right when you pass a sentence of judgment on me. And then he says, um, if you'll restore me, if you'll forgive me, if you'll put a new heart in me, a willing spirit in me, if you'll wipe the slate clean, I will have, I, if you'll restore to me the joy of my salvation, I will tell everyone about you. And then he asks, not only does he pray, get created me a clean heart, have mercy on me, forgive me, blot out my transgressions, <coughs> make my spirit brand new, uh, cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. It's all these verbs. He's asking God to do all the work. He's not saying, I promise I won't do it again. I'm so sorry. If you'll do this for me, I promise I'll do this. No, no, no. He knows. It's, I need you to change who I am. It's not just about what I did. It's about who I am is wrong. And then he says, open my mouth and my lips will, de will declare your praise. And I have this thought, I have this feeling that like, when we, when we are covered in, in unresolved shame and guilt, Right when, when we are carrying judgments about ourselves, it closes our mouth, our mouth of adoration to God. It does. I don't know why. I don't know how. But, but, but you check, check me if I'm wrong. When, when grace comes home, when love comes home, when embrace, divine embrace, really comes home to a heart, just check me if I'm wrong. They sing. Next time they get the chance, their mouth is open. Their voice is loud. It don't matter, it don't matter if they're a good singer. When grace comes home, and that's a divine thing. And I'm so intrigued by that, the idea of open my mouth and my lips will declare your praise. But, and then we've, I find this verse, um, Psalm 51, where he says, sacrifices and offerings you don't want, God. You don't want me in this condition to be offering bulls and goats at, at the altar. In fact, that would displease you. For me to be in disobedience, but show up and, and, and bring you offerings would displease you. Here's what you want, a 
a broken, these are the sacrifices that, of, of, that God finds pleasing. A broken and contrite heart. You remember this? What do you want, God? Do you, what do you want, God? Do you want bulls and goats? No, no, no. Here's what you want. You want my heart. And then I go, oh, my word, this is exactly where Paul got Romans 12, verse 1. This is what he got. He got Rome, Paul got Romans 12, 1 from Psalm 51. He, it's pulled right out of there. He says, in view of the, therefore, in view of the mercies of God, offer yourselves, your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This, you living out what it looks like in response to mercy, this is your acceptable worship, right? Sacrifices and offerings you don't want. What do you want? A willing spirit, a heart that says yes. I'm like, oh, this is, I love when I see those little cross connections, but that's so, so rich for me today. So anyway, that's it. You can get up, start praying for each other. Make sure, please make sure everybody gets prayer, okay?